Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, Dermot O'Neill. Okay, and your wife's name is Susan. Susan O'Neill. Okay. Monday, I said, Susan, in my thoughts, if it's too much struggle, go. And then on Tuesday, I changed my mind and said, no, don't. From the news team at Virgin Media Ireland, this is Room 631, Ireland's COVID crisis. I'm reporter Zara King. This six-part podcast series contains the unheard tapes from the Virgin Media News documentary team. These episodes come from hours of footage taken during the making of our documentary, Ireland Under Lockdown. Throughout the series, we'll hear the thoughts of key decision makers who sat inside the walls of room 631 at the Department of Health and the voices of the people whose lives were changed by those decisions as a global crisis unfolded in their homes. I'm sorry. It's just awful. Fina Taylor. Fina Taylor, lovely. Um, so, Fina, I wanted to start by asking you, how did you meet Bill? Oh. Um, actually, it's uh, we played badminton, both of us, and um, I met Billy. I was stuck for a partner. And our, my father went, he saw Billy playing in the hall, in Whitehall, Terenure, and he asked Billy, would he be my partner in the competition? And that's how we met. And it, it's very strange um, to try and compare today with how people do things. But my mum and dad were there at the finals. And Billy and his one of his best friends asked my dad if they could take me out. <laughs> it seems so strange now, because I was I was eighteen at the time, and that's how we met. And you know, it was I always say my dad got my husband for me. <laughs> if you know what I mean, because uh, he, he introduced me to. Well, he, he he's the one who brought us together. Billy was just a lovely man. He was funny. He was very, very thoughtful. And he he was a very kind, thoughtful husband. And I have to say, he was a wonderful father to his children. And you know, he was liked by everybody. He had a very kind heart and just a lovely way about him. You know, you, you really would have loved him. He had been in and out of hospital a lot in the last two years and he had um, chronic pneumonia. Dad got out of hospital on the 12th of March and when he was in hospital for the last couple of days we knew there was somebody in isolation with a virus that they didn't know what it was uh, and we did kind of think as a family I wonder is it 
that virus that is it COVID, I wonder, and we, well, hindsight, we now know it was. So if he got it, he was a real danger. And um, my brother came up on the 6th of April, the 4th had been Dad's birthday. We'd all come up individually and sort of sang happy birthday outside. And of course, my dad, being my dad, he tried to open the door. He tried to open the door to hug me and I panicked and stepped back saying, you can't touch me, Dad. Don't, please don't open the door. And I didn't realise. And then he, my brother called up on the 6th and he took Dad to hospital. He just said, he's really not well, guys. So Garrett took him to hospital. He was tested on the 7th of March, 7th of April, sorry, uh, and it was positive. And then we got the phone call on the 8th telling us to come in and say goodbye. And he died on the 11th. It was quite quick in the end, which might be a good thing, but I don't think any amount of time would have helped us prepare for it. I don't think it's something you can ever prepare for, to be fair, but certainly not in the circumstances where you know, he was in hospital and we couldn't go in and see him. I'm glad that didn't go on for too long because that was not nice. And when you talk about that memory of his birthday, was that the last time you saw him at home? It was, yeah. And I'm so glad. Part of me, it was a miserable day. It was lashing rain and I had been to the gym and I was tired and I said, maybe I'll just phone him and I won't go in. But something said, no, Helen... It's your father's birthday. Get into the car and drive up and say happy birthday. And I'm so glad that something made me do that. But, uh, yeah, I do regret not letting him hug me. I didn't know. But look, it is what it is. But I did get to see him. We all got to see him when we were called into the hospital on the 8th. And um, as we were leaving the room, I think one of the nurses had said to us that we are trying to be compassionate about letting families in in circumstances like this. And I realised that even the nursing staff just thought there really isn't a lot of hope here. And I think that was when it began to register that this might be real. And I did turn around to Dad and I took his hand, which I wasn't supposed to do, but we all had gloves and goggles and everything on and I just said I love you dad and dad had this wicked smile that he just goes and I love you too and that was the last time I saw him but at least I got kind of got to say goodbye and I got to tell him I loved him so not every family got that so whilst it wasn't the greatest situation it could have been so much worse and we did so much better than so many other families did and I am eternally grateful for that so that's something and even as you think about it now does it feel like it was real no <laughs> because we didn't get to grieve in the way other families do um on the Saturday morning when my brother facetimed us and he was 
been so hi hells, hi how are you? On and I knew, I knew why he was phoning. But he was trying to be upbeat, and he just said, "Can I talk to mum?" So, yeah, and he took Billy to the matter for a test. But I never realised that that would be the last time he would be here. It was just, I'm sorry, it was just awful. I managed to get him on the phone. He said to me, Sue, I think I'm in trouble. Because he knew himself, sorry, that's, that was the hardest part. Was because it, it, you're wondering, was he frightened? You know, at, at that stage, COVID was a death sentence, we all thought. Um, so he knew um, they had to hold him, they had to hold us. Um, but he appeared to be responding to the oxygen. They had him on oxygen at that stage. Um, he got very tired, when, so you couldn't speak to him for very long. Um, my two children spoke to him on the phone. I said, talk to your granddad. Probably at the back of my mind, I was thinking this could be the last time that they'll speak to him. And all the grandchildren adored him. Um, so they spoke to him and, you know, come on, Bill, we're all rooting for you. You know, we'll see you home soon, like trying to keep his spirits up. It wasn't an especially long conversation, but um, that was probably the last time I had a proper talk with him. Um, because uh, the next day I got a phone call from the doctor in the hospital to say, look, he's really not responding to um, the oxygen as well as we would like his stats are dropping. He was on the maximum level of oxygen through this high pressure mask that they had put him on. Um, and uh, he's you know, he's not really uh, responding to that. We're going to continue to do it. But uh, so, like, it's very, it's very difficult for the hospital. But I said, OK, so really what you're saying is there might, there's no plan B. Uh, so I said, is he a candidate for uh, a ventilator? And they said, no, he's not. So, and why was that? Why wasn't that? It? Was because of his age, because he had had previous bouts of pneumonia, so his lungs were weak anyway. And they said he he wasn't a candidate. They didn't think he would survive the process of uh, being ventilated. So uh, I said, okay, can we come in and see him? No. Uh, you can't, you're, because my mother was positive, my sister was positive, um, and uh, they said, look, we can't let anybody in. So uh, I left the house, finished that conversation, left the house to walk up to my brothers to say, we're going to have to go and tell mum. And as I was on my way up to his house, it's only five minutes to walk, um, the hospital rang back and said, look, we've had a chat here. We feel we can manage the risk. Come in. So I said all of us, and uh, they were absolutely lovely. The, I think it was the 
the, the manager of the ward I was speaking to, um, she said, yeah, all of you. So um, we had we had to ring mam and say we're on our way up. So when you think about my mother, she had 15 minutes to process this news, to get ready to go down to the hospital. The hospital was on lockdown, so we had we had an agreed time. We said we'd be there in a half an hour. They were going to meet us with PPE and all that at the door of the hospital. Um, so we had to tell her this, and she had essentially 15 minutes to process it, and we had to bring her down. She was sick herself. Um, and then she had 15 minutes, 20 minutes max with my dad and that was the last time she was home. So it was very hard. It was very hard for all of us. Um, and just talk us through those 15 minutes. What was that like? What did, what did you say to him? To, to, we're trying to keep it light. Like, you know, it, you, we're just we making jokes. Uh, my sister, we had to Skype my sister from, uh, she was over in England, so they couldn't travel home. Um, she was there with her husband and her children, and we were chatting to them. You know, we're trying to keep it as light as we possibly can. Honestly, I don't think my mother really, really processed it. You know, like they would have been, they're together 60 years and she had literally half an hour to get used to it and to go down and see him. We were all in gear from the head down. We couldn't touch him. Although I had gloves on and I did just, just hold his hand. Take your time, Please take your time. I'm sorry, it was just awful. Having to watch my mum say goodbye to my dad, I think, was one of the hardest things I've ever had to, uh, had to, had to do and had to witness. On the Saturday morning, Easter Saturday, my brother went down to the hospital and then my dad passed away at, I think it was half nine in the morning. Um, with Garrett with him, he was... He was in a room that he was able to see the house he grew up in and Croke Park and the school he went to, all the things that were, um, sorry, all the things that were important to him. Um, and it was actually, in the end, it was really peaceful and he was, he, my brother was there, so that was a great comfort to us because I understand that some families didn't have that and, you know, people in nursing homes and stuff like that, but we did, so that was a great blessing. There was a bit of the commentary, I must say, that I didn't like at all during the pandemic, which was the reference to how many people have died every day and how many of those people have an underlying health condition. As though in somehow simply because you've had a chronic illness which has placed you at increased vulnerability that you're a lesser person I've, I find that a really if, if, if I can say offensive uh, to be honest um, way in which some of this has been characterised You know there were lots of people in Ireland who had an underlying health condition who got Covid and sadly some of them passed away um, but had they not got Covid they'd still be with us today and I think that point is sometimes lost these were 
real people with medical vulnerabilities in our country and their loss was, was no lesser. And when I first asked her up to dance, it was the end of the night and she took the chance but assumed I was asking her for a dance in order that I would get a lift home off her brother who I knew was collecting. Um, but the romance continued at Sunday Mass the following Sunday and went on for the next 49 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And was it love at first sight for you? <laughs> Dare I say on the television, lust at first sight. Miniskirts were quite big in those days. So, October 2018, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. She battled away with the breast cancer for uh, quite some time. She got, well, six months, she was pretty well clear. Um, we had a good summer in 2019. Uh, late 2019, she was losing her balance and uh, through a blood test, she was found to have leukemia. Um, so again, the battle started. Susan was a fighter. She just lived for her grandchildren. The treatment involved 28 day sessions on a continuous drip with a week or two off. So the first part of the treatment, she would be hospitalized. Next day, I got a call from the doctor to say, Susan's tested positive. The treatment for cancer was going great, but then we were hit with this. And of course, she, she wouldn't have to fight in her to fight after COVID. Her immune was shot, you know? So when she tested positive, um, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, and she was so scared. Okay, so Nicola McGrath, you're Susan's daughter. Yes. When I was 10, um, I suppose every kid is concerned, like, well, you know, how old are you? And um, when she was 10, she, she promised me that she'd live forever. And I believed her. So, I think when she didn't come up, I'm sorry. Take your time, take your time, please. It's okay, breathe. Yeah. Um, so when she didn't come home, like my adult brain still was like what you said. Don't matter how old you are, it's your mom. No. It's your mom, isn't it? Yeah. And as and I said the other part that I'm finding really tough is that when you're a kid as well, you know one day you'll become a grown up. But um you actually never accept that you are a grown up. Um and the last few months I was like uh oh. I'm now a grown-up. My friends keep telling me I'm not. But I said, when, when mum was here, I suppose she'd be at the end of the phone and, you know, she would have the answer for everything. Like, regardless um, what the question was, she'd, be, she'd tell me what to do. And I was content knowing that, like, I'd never have to deal with anything because she was at the other end of the phone. And now I was like, oh, God, I, I'm an adult. Like I said to Joe the other day, simple things like, the children, can I have some biscuits? And... and I said, of course, how many can I have? And I was like, Joe, I don't know. Like, it's the little things in life that I'm now, it sounds silly, but I'm not, I'm so responsible for, for the children. And when they were born, as far as she was concerned, we co-owned the children. Like, they weren't my children, they were our children. So every day she'd be on the phone and no matter what they did, they were funny, they were cute, they were hilarious, they 
they were just everything to her. And I think when Callum was a toddler, um, I became pregnant again with my second child, Tiernan, um, and mum, I decided they were going on holidays, which I thought was ludicrous because she had two small children to look after. And she was like, but they're your children. And I was like, but well, what am I supposed to do with them for two weeks? She's like, I'll be on the phone. So when she passed away, I was like, but we haven't finished the job. Like they're 14 and 13 and 10. Like, I was like, now I have to parent them on my own. And now all the little questions. So I found it really hard. Like I, that, um, that I'm the mummy. And she left you letters, which was so lovely. She did. Um, the letters are beautiful. Um, I, I read the letter she left to my husband just before I left the house. And the last line was, um, talk about me often. Please don't let them forget me. Um, which we talk about her all the time. But my husband has written a book um, over the last five months um, called Super Nana Susan and this COVID-19 thing. And it's about, um, about my mum and her crazy adventures and the children are in it. And it's about children learning how to deal with grief and how to remember her and how to remember the stories. So it's really, really funny. And it's been, the kids have got involved in the book and it's been so lovely to keep her alive. Um, so we have photographs of her everywhere and even when I was coming over here today I told my 10 year old that you wanted to talk about Nana and he said of course like she's amazing why doesn't everybody want to talk about her so yeah it's it's tough it's yeah. tough you just miss her yeah every day I I would every moment I just want to ring her and say Wait, I tell you um, what Nisha did in school. Wait, I tell you how tall Callum is. Wait, I tell you how obsessed Tiernan is with his hair. Um, and I just, I miss it. I ring her phone and I was like, do I send her an email? Or sometimes I go for a walk in the woods and I know she's watching anyways, but like she just took so much pleasure out of them. She was so she was just so excited about everything like other people would be like oh yeah your kids are great you're great but she genuinely she loved to hear everything and I said she loved them as much as you did yeah Callum used to call her Nana Mama so it didn't matter who came when he fell because we we were both his mommy really I kind of knew it was coming um, I kind of knew that she wasn't going to make it you know Okay, perfect. So just your full name first for the tape. Um, it's Lorna O'Neill. Okay. And you are Susan's sister? Susan, yeah. 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 So um, I suppose, Lorna, look, I, to start first, what has it been like for you for the last couple of months? Um, it's been really tough. Um, I miss her dreadfully. Um, there's often mornings where, you know, you, you just want to get on the phone to her and you, you can't. The last time I spoke to her, before they uh, induced coma on the 5th. I just wish the sweet dreams. Uh, I, I still expect that she, she'd be back, like so many, you know, that were surviving at the time, you know, and, you know, the battler that she was. So every night during her coma, I mostly played love songs to her. 
Hmm. And would that be over the phone? You play oh, yeah. love songs yeah. to her? Yeah, if I pick out the songs that meant so much to her, I might bring home a bad karaoke session I did in Paris where I sang James Taylor, You've Got a Friend, and I play James Taylor. So she died on the Wednesday, on the Monday. I said, Susan, in my thoughts, if it's too much struggle, go. And then on Tuesday, I changed my mind and said, no, don't. But on the Wednesday she went. Mm. Killian de Gascon, I'm director of the National Virus Reference Laboratory at UCD. What's going to happen over the next 12 months to think that we've gone from a situation of what 10 months ago where we we didn't know about this virus and, and now we've got three vaccines or three vaccine companies that have reported results it's a it's a really important first step but it's not going to be a silver bullet at this point uh, it's very much a, another tool in the in the toolbox for us or another weapon in the armory for us the vaccines at the moment are with the regulatory authorities so the data are being reviewed and ultimately we're waiting for those authorities to say yay or nay that the vaccines are are safe to use and they're efficacious realistically we're obviously going to be starting with prioritizing the the most vulnerable and the, the groups that are most important the next six months i think are going to be very similar to, to the last six months, but at the same time, we, there's, I suppose, there's light at the end of the tunnel now, which we might have had even sort of six weeks ago. Hopefully it will, um, it will allow us to have a, I suppose, a more open approach to society in, in 2021. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What I want to see next year is I want to see this virus eradicated from our island. Uh, I want to see everyone getting back to their normal lives and meeting each other and hugging each other. I think that we've, we've kind of found within ourselves uh, a rediscovery of, of things that are actually valuable and now you know, value it a little bit more than we might have done previously. I really hope people can have a good Christmas. We all deserve it. People deserve it. Obviously it can be different, but you know, we're, we're a good nation for celebration of Christmas. It brings out the best in us and our values. Interesting to see where we go, but we still know little enough about it that I think we should all still be cautious. It isn't just a flu. Honestly, it isn't a flu, and you don't want anyone in your family to get it. She became my audience when I told a terrible joke. She was my company when we were out. I just feel limbs have been lost with me, you know. I have to reinvent myself as such, you know. You know, why is all this happening? It was like a darkness coming over us all. He just gave myself and my mum like a great life. So I hope that I'm half the person he was. 
Honestly, I don't want anyone else to go through that. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.